before I mention the second of the eight istilahat that we are covering inshallah I wanted to add a, one more general point to something I began yesterday which was that how is it that the mashayikh of tasawwuf came up how is it that the mashayikh of tasawwuf came up with their different usul of zikr and this is something that we mentioned yesterday and we mentioned that sometimes people wonder that how is it that the early Mashaikh of the Silsila Naqshaban did there be a prior to the advent of the Muraqaba lessons that were revealed to Hazrat Fajr Bahauddin Naqshaban Rahimahullah. So another way to understand this, it's like somebody asking the question that let's say they follow the fiqh of Imam al-Shafi'i Rahimahullah who was amongst the Tabai Tabin. And so somebody who is Shafi'i wondering that how did the Tabin follow fiqh? <laughs> or how did the Tabin follow the Sharia? So we say, obviously the Tabin followed the Sharia. Yes, they followed the Sharia prior to the usul of Imam al-Shafi. It's possible. Just like people, the early generation of Muslims were able to get their tizkiyah prior to the usul of Imam Baha'u'llah Naqshman Rahimahullah. Or it's like saying that how did somebody study hadith before Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim? before they derive their usul of hadith, what is a sahih hadith, what is a sound hadith, what is not. So how did the tabin and tabai tabin and the next generation and the next generation, they were mahroom of the sunnah? No. Were they devoid or bereft of the sunnah? No. But what happens is that over time, these different branches of Islamic learning became more and more formalized. Developed principles, methodologies, that was to facilitate the training of future students and to facilitate their dissemination. In Arabic, this is called tadween. Tadween means when different disciplines become formally compiled and they coalesce around formal systems of learning. Then the question arises that even these eight istilahat that Hazrat Khaja Abdul Khalid Khajdawani discovered, or even the lessons of Muraqaba that Hazrat Khaja Bahaundi Naqshiban discovered, when we hear our Mashaikh say that this was kashf, what does this mean exactly? So again, the easiest way to understand this really is to look at fiqh. And the same thing that happened to the ulama of usul al-fiqh and the fuqaha is called ijtihad. And the same thing that happened to the Mashaikh of Tasawwuf is called kashf. As kashf does not mean that Hazrat Bahaudi Naqshiban discovered on a rock, written the lessons of Muraqaba. Gash means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened his heart to a type of understanding, which sometimes we call basira. A type of understanding opened up these ma'arif of the Qur'an. Like yesterday I used that verse to show you, right? How this understanding of hosh dardam is actually embedded in the Qur'an al-Karim. But if normally if we were doing, let's say, dars of tafsir or tarjama, we would have never explained it in this way. But the Mashaikh understood it in this way. Just like the fuqaha and the ulama of usul experienced ijtihad, which was the opening of their mind and their heart about something pertaining to the zahir or the external sciences of the deen, 
Just like that, the Mashaik of the Sawaf experienced gush, which was just an opening of the heart and expansion of the breast, where Allah Subhanahu opened to them an understanding, a nukta, a ma'rifa, a deep intimate knowledge, deep inner understanding of something pertaining to the inner sciences of the deen. So the second, the first that we did yesterday was called Hos Dardam. The second istilah, the second terminology in Persian is called Nazar Barqadam. Nazar Barqadam. Nazar means the gaze, your sight, your vision, your glance, the gaze. Qadam means our feet. Bar means on. So literally, just the word Nazar Barqadam means to keep your gaze on your feet. However, as we will see, there is much, much more that the Mashaikh have explained about this. It's actually quite amazing. So the way Hazrat Sahib has explained this in his books and the Mashaikh have explained this is that there are three levels to Nazar Barqadam. The first level is for the beginning Salik, the beginning secret on this path known as the Muqtadi. The second level is for that Salik who has spent some time is at what we would call intermediate stage, in Arabic the Mutawasit. And the third level, which is the most fascinating one, is for the person who has reached the advanced stage called the Muntahi. So for the beginning Salik, Nazar Barqadam means quite literally what it, what, it, what it suggests, that it is wajib for a Salik to look at his feet while walking around, which is simply what we call lower the gaze. Allah subhanahu mentions this in the Qur'an al-Kareem in Surah Nur, ayah number 30. That tell the believers that they should lower, they should cast down their gaze, their absar, their gaze. So for the beginning, it means simply that, and there are two reasons for this. Number one is obviously the more famous one, which once we spoke about in another talk, right, which is to lower the gaze so that we do not see those things that Allah has made impermissible for us to see. So our gaze does not fall on, let's say, for men, a non-mahram woman, so that we do not become enraptured by her beauty and lost and in the maze and the deep afflicting trial, as Hadith mentioned last night, of ishqa majazi, or false and unlawful love. That is the first meaning, and that is the first and perhaps the greatest benefit for a salak to keep their gaze lowered. The second meaning, however, is to keep our gaze lowered so we don't notice anything in this world. So we don't become distracted or attracted by anything in this world. So that we are preserved from getting involved in different people, different experiences, different actions, different emotions. Why? Because this spoils the focus of the salik. The focus of the seeker is singular. He's singularly focused on trying to remember Allah subhanahu so Remember, this is building on the first one. He's trying to do what? Hosh dardam. He's trying that in every single breath he should be in a state of the zikr, of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu That requires focus. That requires concentration. That is singularity of purpose. So he cannot be distracted by looking at the shops or looking in the windows or looking at the smells or looking at the sights. So the second reason then he keeps his gaze physically lowered is so that he doesn't get nothing in the world can attract him or distract him. Rather, let's put it this way, nothing that is even permissible, nothing from those things that are permissible in the world can distract him from his goal, which is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you would find similarly, right, many times when we discuss what taqwa means. Taqwa means to leave those things that are permissible. Or like Hazrat Sahib was explaining, I don't know, perhaps here, maybe on Umrah, 
that taqwa means to leave anything that can impact your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything that can be a ha'il, a barrier, anything that can be a veil between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, taqwa means to leave that. Whether it's permissible or not. Leaving it, if it's impermissible, obviously that you have to, that sharia, that sometimes we call fatwa. Even if it's something that's permissible, but it's going to diminish or dampen my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leaving that is called taqwa. That's what the second nazar barakadam is. Is to keep our gaze, means not just our gaze, but our entire attention diverted from even the permissible things in the world, because if we get caught up in them, they might divert us from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, so when walking, a salik should look at one's feet, and when sitting down, a salik should look down and look ahead, don't look left or right. I remember Hazrat Saab once gave this example in one of his books, that many times, for young men, he gave this example, that when young men park at the traffic light, so the traffic light turns red and they stop. And instead of just looking straight ahead, focusing on the road or looking at the light, they look towards the left and they look towards the right. And when they look towards the left and they look towards the right, well, there are other cars and there are other people in those other cars and sometimes there might be a beautiful woman in that other car. And just like that, the Salik didn't even intend. He didn't intend to look at something bad. But because he didn't have this focus and concentration that the Mashaikh are trying to instill, he didn't have this teaching of Nazar Barakadah. So he just relaxed and he figured that the light is red, so he might as well just look around. wasn't intending to look at anything. But when he looked around just like that, he saw something. Then, right, he took that snapshot in his heart. The light turned green. He went, but his heart was stuck on the red. Right? So this is what the Mashaikh is. It's a precautionary measure. It's a precautionary measure. So that nothing in the world should distract us. So when walking, we should look at one's feet. And when sitting, we should look ahead, remain focused, slightly down but towards the front, not look here and there uh, to and fro. This, the way that we explain this, is that this is more conducive to what the Mashai called the Jam'iyat of the Qalb. So the Qalb is our spiritual heart. Jam'iyat means that the heart becomes fixated on something. So the reason we're doing Hosh Dardam, the reason we do Hukuf Kalbi is so that our heart does the Zikr of Allah, plus that our heart becomes fixated on the Zikr of Allah, becomes established on the Zikr of Allah. That the roots of our heart are on the Zikr of Allah, we don't want, right? We, don't, we want that anchor. We don't want to be pulled here and there. So in order so that we don't lose that, that jam'iyat that comes from Hosh Dardam, we practice Nazar Barqadam, we keep our gaze down so we don't get distracted. And this is also... The reason why in Salah, it is Sunnah, as I'm sure all of you know, it is Sunnah, that when you are in a Qiyam, you should look at the place where your forehead will fall in Sajda. That's also a type of Nazar Barakana. When you're in Ruku, you should look down either at the tops of your feet or at the space in between your feet. When you're in Sajda, you keep your eyes open. You don't close your eyes, but you look down as much as possible. So if you look, when I look straight ahead, you can see my eyes. I'm going to look down as much as possible. You're going to see my eyelids, but my eyes are not closed. I'm looking down as much as possible. That's what we do in sajda. That is the sajda of the eyes. That is the lowering of the gaze in sajda. And when we sit in kada, when we're sitting to recite at-tahiyat, then we gaze down, we look down in our lap, on our thighs, if you will, or on our lap. 
the purpose of that also, the barakah of that sunnah was also the same jam'iyat. The same mm, fixed concentration and fixation of concentration in the salah. So we don't get distracted in our salah. So we see that this is sunnah in salah to remain focused on something. So if even during ibadah we need to fixate our gaze on one point to remain focused, then imagine how much we need to fixate our gaze on one point when we're in the dunya, outside of ibadah. You understand? If in ibadah we need to keep our gaze focused, then outside of ibadah it would be even all the more important to keep our gaze focused on one point so we get concentration. Then the Mashaikh writes, and this is actually the meaning of another ayah, which is in Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 37, where Allah SWT says in the Quran Al-Kareem, وَلَا تَمْشِي فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَحَةً That you should not walk on the earth uh, arrogantly, proudly. In Urdu they say, ukarkar, Walking in a haughty way, in an upright haughty way. Why? Because obviously, when you walk in such a haughty, upright manner, then your gaze won't be lowered, your gaze is up, and you're looking as if you were a periscope or a telescope, right? So the same reason for that is that this keeps a person away from jam'iyat. And the extra thing in this ayah also, obviously, is that walking in a haughty way keeps a person from their humility, keeps a person from their asl, their essential reality, which is that we are the servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that means then that nazar bar qadam also helps us become humble, gives rise to that sifat of tawazu inside of us and Nazar Barakadam reminds us of our ubudiyah, our abdiyat, our servanthood and slavehood of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what is this concept of jam'iyat? Let's just finish that before we go to the next stage. So this is another term actually the Mashaik use sometimes called jama. And then there's a second one called farq and the third one called jam'ul jama. And all three will come up in this. Jama means that the salik or it refers rather to that condition of the salik, that hal of the seeker, in which he remains immersed in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Specifically, he remains immersed in what we call the mushahada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As if he is witnessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is his state. Right? This is what the Prophet said in the famous hadith of Jibreel and Sahiyan when he was asked by the Indian Jibreel, what is ihsan? He responded, ihsan is to worship Allah as if you see him. And if you don't see him, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing you. So that first ideal state of ihsan is known as mushahida. To live to, for that state of our heart to be as if we are witnessing or gazing upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is mushahida. So jama means to bring our heart up to that level in zikr. And then what happens is, is that person has a dominance that person's is dominated by being focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and due to that he remains unfocused or unattentive to creation. The example our Mashaik, let's give this example our Mashaik gives sometimes of this, is that when a person looks at the moon and when a person stares at the beauty of the full moon they get lost in that beauty so they forget everything that's on earth. Everything else that is on land, around them, here, there, left, right, they forget everything because they're lost and fully immersed. This is called istighraq in Arabic. They're fully immersed in that vision, that mushahida of the moon, that they're totally become irrelevant. They're totally severed from what's on the land, what's on earth. Just like that, that salik who has jama, who is totally immersed in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such that he feels as if he's gazing upon Allah, then he becomes totally severed from all of makhluk, he becomes totally severed from all of creation. 
So this was uh, the first level of Nazar Barkadam. And in this, in addition to Jama, it doesn't mean that obviously Jama is a state that happens in Zikr. Right? It's in, when you're in Muraqaba, you can reach that state like you're looking at the moon and you're oblivious to everything else. Otherwise, in our ordinary life, if you're a student or you're working or you have a computer business or you're managing a computer business and you're walking around, obviously you do see the world. It's not like you don't. Nobody can say that I totally closed my eyes. You're walking with your eyes open. So for that, the Mashai coined this term called Farq. And Farq is the first stage, which is still we're in the first stage of Nazar Barqanam. In Farq, it means that, Farq means a complete disconnect. So the Salik has a complete disconnect from the world. He does not try, at this first initial stage, he does not try to look at it and look for the signs of Allah in it. He doesn't look at the world as a reflection of the Anwarat or of the, of the, uh, uh, of the bounties or the manifestations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nor does he look, gaze upon the world as a means, he does not gaze upon creation as a means to remind himself of the Khalaq. He's just spark. He's just as if it's all black. It's just blocked out. The world becomes null and void. That is what we first have to do. It's a type of nafi, right? So sometimes our Mashaikh explained this is also that nafi is about the tertib of the kalima. La ilaha illallah. The first part, la ilaha, we're negating the existence of all deities, all gods, any other source of hukam, any other source of command or amr. That is called nafi. Once we do that, then we move to ithbat, which means to affirm illallah, to affirm the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the first stage of nazar barakadam, there is farq, which means a person negates the world. Totally just disconnected, completely unattentive to the world. He might be seeing it in his peripheral vision, but it's as if it doesn't exist. It's just black. It's void. It's null. Okay? In the second, now, type of Nazar Barqadam, which is called for the Mutawasit, for those who are in the intermediate stage of Saluk, for them, Nazar Barqadam means that they notice the world. They notice the world. So they look, they keep their Nazar on two things. Number one, they keep their nazar on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like in the first level. And they add to that now, they put their nazar on the khalq, they put their nazar on the creation of Allah. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Hashr in the Quran Al-Kareem. So the same word, absar. You see the previous verse had the same word, min absarihim, the word absar. The second verse here for the second level also has the word absar, that you should look upon the creation of Allah but with what they call ibra. Ibra means that we should gaze upon it with reflection, with a view to deriving some lesson, some meaning, some guidance from that. It should not be an unreflective gaze. So again, the boy at the traffic light was not looking around in a state of reflection. He was just without unreflectively gazing around. This is a second different level. To look upon the world but in a state of reflection. So, Nazar Barqadam in the second stage means in every state, in every condition, in every moment, in every time to remain attentive and focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that not even a drop of ghaflat enters our heart. However, when that salik looks at the earth, at the sky and everything that is between them, 
he looks upon them with ibrat, with reflection, he ponders upon them, he takes a lesson. And he views them as the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason for this is that, again, because the creation of Allah is an ocean of ma'rifah, which once the salik has successfully passed the first stage, that he's done nafi, now he needs to get and extract the pearls from that ocean of ma'rifah by gazing upon the world, but with ibrat as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded in that verse of the Qur'an. So this then is known as what they call Jam'ul Jama. So the first was Jama. This is known as Jam'ul Jama. So again, in the first stage of Nazar Barqadam, there is far complete disconnect from the world, in which we don't even notice the world. In the second stage is Jam'ul Jama, in which we notice the world. We're doing Jam'ul Jama. We're joining two things. Number one, Nazar on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number two, now Nazar on the Khalq. So because we are in the stage of Mushahida and we have nullified the dunya, now after this, this is the prerequisite to be involved in khalq. Now we can imagine that this second stage is so far beyond our reach and imagine that the Mashayikh are setting this as a condition. That you can only become attentive to the world, notice the world, gaze upon the world once you have passed that first stage, that you've done nafi of it, and number two, that you are in a state of Mushahida plus you have host dardam. Allah Akbar, right? This is an incredible journey. And somebody who obviously does have all of that, and certainly a person like that, when he gazes upon the world, he won't feel any harm. And certainly when he gazes upon the world, he is now a uli absari, is a person of uh, vision, of rightful and righteous vision, and he can get some lesson from the world when he gazes upon it. So this, now when we understand the second stage, we can understand the relationship between Nazar Bar Qadam and Hosh Dardam as follows is that there are two things that distract a salik from his maqsad, from his goal. Again, what is that maqsad and goal? That maqsad and goal is dhikr, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to be immersed completely in that dhikr. So there are two things that can distract and divert the salik. Number one is the dunya, and everything that is in it, right? And there are so many verses of the Qur'an and the hadith about the dunya, and how it's a distraction, it's just a play. So what happens is that a person can be lost in seeking the pleasures of the dunya and or in acquiring the dunya and thereby become ghafil from the remembrance of Allah, become heedless of the remembrance of Allah. Because he got lost in the pleasures of the dunya or he got lost in acquiring, amassing the wealth of the dunya. So the first thing that can distract us simply is the dunya and that is afaq. When we mentioned that yesterday, the sere afaqi, Ufuk means horizon, afaq means horizons, afaq refers to the whole dunya. And the second thing that can distract us from Allah is our own nafs. Is that if we fall into fulfilling the pleasures of the nafs, then we will lose in following that path which earns the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, the rule of nafs is anfus, and the second journey is called sere anfusi. So, hosh dardam was to save us from the second pitfall, the pitfall of our nafs. Remember we mentioned yesterday that we focus on Allah Taala so much that every single breath finds us in a state of zikr of Allah. One of the benefits that was mentioned by the Mashaikh is that this saves us from tafaraka of the nafs. This saves us from the nafs' whisperings and the nafs' distractions from the remembrance of Allah. The second terminology, Nazar Barqadam, saves us from number one. Saves us from the dunya. And all the things that we gaze upon the dunya that can then distract us from Allah, 
that can intoxicate us in the pleasures of the dunya, or we can try to look upon something and feel greed or hirs for that and be caught in trying to attract, uh, to amass that dunya. So these two things then, in two simple terms and two simple exercises, the Meshaiq saved us from the two things that can distract us from the remembrance of Allah. Again, that is what these istilahat were about. To give us certain exercises, certain methodologies that will enable us to get the goal, which is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the last thing, and really we only mention these things just because, uh, you know, Hazrat Sahib has told us that for the Nigerians and the African brothers from Zimbabwe and Zambia, we have, it is our duty, it is an amanat, it is a trust upon us that it is incumbent for us to pass on the teachings of our Mashaikh as we receive them. So we are just like a postman. We don't claim to have experienced these things or have understood the mysteries or realities of these things. But sometimes when we discover the way our Mashaikh described uh, the Sof and Saluk, it increases our Iman and our faith in the strength and the power of the Sawaf. Right? Now, uh, so we explained this last stage then for this reason, to see what was it that these people were able to reach in their final stage of Nazar Bar Qadam, and it gives us some hope, gives us some light, gives us something to make niyat for, to make dua for, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and gives us a glimpse into the haqiqat of their Iman and the haqiqat of their Ihsan. It's a little bit difficult, and it's as follows, is that for the Muntahi, Nazar Barqadam means, I will just say it, then I will spend a bit of time explaining it, means that their Nazar should always exceed, surpass, transcend their Qadam, and that their Nazar should take their Qadam with them as much as possible. So the Nazar should lead and the Qadam should follow. So, we can explain it like this, that just take it literally that Nazar means our gaze and Qadam means our footsteps. Now whenever we look upon something that is high and exalted, we gaze upon the heights, let's say, of a mountain. So when we look at the peak of the mountain, our Nazar reaches there instantly. Our gaze can reach the peak instantly. Once our Nazar looks at that peak of the mountain and then decides that that is my destination, then the feet start to follow. When the feet start following, then the feet eventually reach the destination. When the feet reach the destination, then the nazar looks even further ahead at the next station, the next maqam, the next martaba, the next state or station on the path. The nazar can see it instantly. Then again the qadam has to follow, our feet follow, our feet follow our gaze. And this continues, etc., etc., right? So our gaze always outreaches our footstep, our nazar transcends and surpasses our qadam. And once the nazar makes that decision, then the feet start climbing. When they reach the destination, then the gaze looks further, etc., etc. And we can understand this, that for the person in the advanced stage, his nazar should always desire even more than his qadam can reach. Their gaze should desire even more than their feet can reach. What this means is that our niya, our irada, should be even more than we're capable of. However, the qadam should come along with. We still have to do mujahida and make effort and struggle and do whatever we are capable of. But our desire should always be to do more. So the striving and exertion should always be maximum. 
but our heart should desire that if only we could get even more than our ability. So you can take example like taqwa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that we should have taqwa mastata'tum. That you have istitaat, that you have ability. Now, who knows how much ability anyone of, of us has for taqwa. But our nazar should be that we want to have the taqwa of Rasulullah wasallam. That's always our nazar. Whether any one of us has the strength to reach that, the stamina to reach that or not, we spend our life in that. But our nazar should always surpass our qadr. We should never say that, okay, this is how much... That meaning of that verse doesn't mean that, okay, some people misinterpret that verse. That look, even Allah SWT said, just have as much taqwa as you are capable of, I'm capable of this much, that's it. No. This teaching is teaching us third level of nazar barqadam. That istitaat, we should, our desire should even be more than our istitaat or istidad, more than our ability or capability. So the qadam here then refers to ability and capability. And nazar here refers to our desire, our niya, our irada, our intention, our wish from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then now, nazar exceeds the qadam. Our wish, our irada should exceed our own capability, our own ability. Then the Mashaikh explained that everybody does have, just like the way Hazrat Sahib sometimes explains this, is that just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided the risk for everybody, their physical risk, their food and nourishment, just like that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and ordained, ordained everybody's spiritual risk, how far they might go in dhikr, how far they will go in saluk, for example, in this particular context. Right? However, even then, our nazar should exceed what our risk is. Our desire, yearning should be for that. This is what Allah SWT said in the Qur'an al-Kareem. لَكَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْبَةٌ حَسَنًا Allahu Akbar. This is the spirit of Islam. You know, many people today will try to fool us about Islam that no, 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 the letter is strict, the spirit is soft. No, no, no. The spirit of Islam is much stricter than the letter. The spirit of Islam is that make the Prophet ﷺ your goal. That's, the hardest thing, that's A+. plus. The spirit of Islam is A+. plus. The letter might let, get you by with a B. <laughs> the spirit of Islam is seek the A+. plus. Rasulullah that is your role model. Right? So this is what the teaching is telling us. Now the way the Mashaikh, Allahu Akbar, it's a beautiful thing that they say. They say that the, even the prophets, even the Anbiya Islam had a Qadam and a Nazar. Even the prophets had a qadam and a nazar. They had their own ability and capability. But they also had their own wish and their dua that they used to, their own, what they say, tamanna and faryad. <laughs> their own yearning that they used to present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they say then that if a person follows the sunnah, Allahu Akbar, the mashayikh have opened up the jewels of ittima'i sunnah. That if a person follows the sunnah qadam of the Prophet ﷺ, in other words, if we try to make our life according to the sharia and to the sunnah, we try to make our qadam like the Prophet ﷺ, we become what they call the kamil tabedar, the perfect follower of the sunnah, then Allah subhanahu will enable us also to follow the nazar of the Prophet ﷺ, bestow upon us his yearning, his shawq, his irada, his tamanna, his faryat, his, his, his desires that he had for Allah subhanahu wa Allahu Akbar. So, and this is the blessing of being an ummah, of the, of the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad 
that just as we are taught to place our footsteps where he placed his footsteps, place our qadam where he placed his qadam, in other words, to put everything in our life in complete accordance with the sunnah, just like that, do the barakah of that, our nazar can then also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put our nazar in the same way, uh, in the same path, in the same direction of the nazar of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then they mention that the proof of this is that what was the ultimate nazar of the Prophet ﷺ, the ultimate gaze, was the ru'ya, the vision of Allah subhanahu wa that the Prophet ﷺ had. And that vision in the, in the ultimate, in this world, and one is that vision in the akhirah, right? That's a whole separate topic, right? One was that in this world, the Prophet ﷺ got that ru'ya at the moment of mi'raj. Now that was the ultimate realization of the ultimate nazar of the Prophet ﷺ was that he got, and as you know that famous story, right, the, not story, but that hakika, that event, that the Prophet ﷺ was accompanied by Angel Jibreel some very long journey, many things happened, and then finally they reached the state where the Angel Jibreel ﷺ said that even I can go no further. Nothing, no member of creation has ever gone beyond this point. This is what they call the intiha of the nazar of the Prophet The ultimate climax was then even the angel, the archangel, the archangel, Sayyidina Jibreel was left behind and the Prophet went further. And Allah knows best what type of event happened and what transpired in that. But that was the ultimate nazar in, this, in his own lifetime, let alone what may happen in the akhirah. But Allah SWT bestowed this ummah on that same very blessed journey with a similar nazar which the Prophet was saying in hadith As-salatu miraj al-mu'min So this gift of salah was also given on that journey of mi'raj and the ultimate nazar in ittiba of that sunnah in ittiba of the hakiki mi'raj of the Prophet is for us to perfect our salah that we also get that intiha of the nazar of the Prophet in this world which is As-salatu miraj al-mu'min so in sum, the nazar should never be behind the qadam, but rather the nazar should be ahead, and it should entice the qadam to follow it along and to catch up with the nazar. So at the end of all of this, then the Mashaykh write, quoting one of the great pillars and imams of our Sulsala Naqshbandi Mujandini, Fazal Khwaja Fazal Ali Qureshi Rahmatullahi Alayh. And really this is sometimes when we gave the name to our Sulsala, that it was Siddiqui, then Naqshbandi, then Mujaddidi, then Fazali, and now Fakiri. Right? was a famous pillar of the Mashaikh in Naqshbandi in Pakistan. His resting place is in a place called Miskinpur Sharif. And almost all of the authentic silsilas of Naqshbandi Mujaddidi in Pakistan all go back and meet to him. So he wrote that. The ultimate nazar bar means that simply that a salah should keep his nazar on the qadam of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the way he described this was that all of the harakat and the sakanat, all of our moments of movement and all of our moments of stillness. This is the way they meant to describe a, 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 a metaphor, to describe every single moment. All of our harakat and sakanat, all of our movements and all of our moments of stillness Plus all of our akhlaq, all of our habits, our temperaments, our attributes, our characteristics 
should be made completely according to the sunnah of the Prophet And this is the kamal of the mashayikh of Naqshiban that they extracted as Imam Rabbani, Mujadad al-Fisani, Shaykh Ahmed Sarhindi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentioned as Maktubat al-Rabbaniya, that this is the kamal of the mashayikh of Naqshiban, that they dive deep into the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia, and extracted the pearls of Ma'rifah, the jewels uh, in the pearls of Ma'rifah of the Sunnah, and didn't go anything further beyond that, because there is nothing beyond that intiha, there is nothing beyond the Sunnah, the Sunnah life, the Sunnah Nazar, the Sunnah Qadam, is the absolute ultimate uh, for us to follow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to become people who begin our journey with the first step of Nazar bar Qadam. And even if we begin our Qadam with the first step, today we can put our Nazar on the third stage and also have a yearning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also grant us the ability and grant us the istidad and the capability to bring our qadam up to that kamil nazar of the Prophet ﷺ so that we too may be amongst the people who are amongst his kamil muttabi'een, who are amongst his perfect followers of the sunnah in each and every sense that we may know and each and every sense that our mashayikh knew and each and every sense that Allah himself knows kind and generous Lord, Ya Allah who gave us every bounty and blessing from the moment we were born. Ya Allah Zalamna Anfusana. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. Ya Allah, we have oppressed ourselves. Ya Allah, we have misused this ni'mah of vision that you have given us. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we have miscast our gaze. Ya Allah, we have misdirected our glances. Ya Allah, perhaps it would have been better if you raised us blind. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we make toba from all of the sins of the eyes. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us for all of the sins that we have used with our eyes. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, remove from us the effects of those sins. Remove from us the memories of those sins. Ya Allah, remove from the nafs the strength that it derived from those sins. Ya Allah, we ask you to weaken our nafs. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us for misusing our eyes. Ya Allah, if you do not shower your mercy upon us and forgiveness upon us, Ya Allah, we will be amongst the lost ones. We will be raised amongst the blind ones on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us do qadr of this nazar. Let us value this ni'mah of nazar. Ya Allah, let us submit ourselves to the teachings of our mashayikh. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to do nazar bar qadam. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to lower our gaze. Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon the Kaaba. Ya Allah, how can that eye then commit an act of disobedience? Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon the Qur'an. Ya Allah, how can that eye look upon something that is haram? Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon the face of your wali. Ya Allah, how can that eye then go and gaze upon a non-mahram woman? But Ya Allah, we are guilty of all of these sins. 
Ya Allah, we are amongst the Sayyidul Manafikeen. Ya Allah, you know the nifaq in our hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to remove this nifaq. We ask you to purify our eyes. Ya Allah, there is no hope for us except your mercy. Ya Allah, there is no hope for us except your nazar. Ya Allah, we have no qadam, we have no nazar. But Ya Allah, we, get, we hope in your nazar. We hope in the glance or gaze of your mercy. Ya Allah, if you cast a glance of your mercy upon our heart, Ya Allah, you can purify our eyes. Ya Allah, you can make our eyes humble. You can make our eyes muttaqi. Ya Allah, you can make our eyes lowered in humility. Ya Allah, you're a big name. We ask you to enable us to follow this ayah. Ya Allah, we too are amongst the mu'mineen. Ya Allah, you asked your beloved messenger, Ya Allah, you asked your beloved messenger to tell the believers, Ya Allah, we again profess our iman in you, La ilaha illallah. Ya Allah, we are amongst the mu'mineen. Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us, give us the strength to follow each and every ayah that you have directed towards us, the mu'mineen. Ya Allah, enable us to lower our gaze. Ya Allah, if there is any dua that we could make, anything that we could do, Ya Allah, to cure ourselves of this illness, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we would do anything to cure ourselves of this illness. Ya Allah, we ask you to safeguard our gaze, to lower our gaze from those things that are impermissible. And Ya Allah, to lower our gaze and attention from even those things that are permissible, but will distract us from you. Ya Allah, we ask you to direct our gaze to those things that bring us closer to you, those things that will increase us in your love, those things that will earn your pleasure. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, unto the barakah of the teachings of our Mashaikh and the barakah of the husnizan and the will of our Shaykh that we learn these things Ya Allah we ask you to enable us to follow these teachings Ya Allah for surely our Shaykh does not wish us simply to learn these words and learn these fancy explanations but Ya Allah surely he wishes us to submit ourselves to these teachings Ya Allah we present to you his wish and his irada we present to you his nazar Ya Allah let it be a means of changing our kalam Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask you to accept his nazar upon us his gaze upon us so many times we have heard the poems of the awliya that Ya Allah the gaze of a pure wali is enough to change the heart of, of a seeker. Ya Allah, he has cast so many gazes in our direction. Ya Allah, he has cast so many gazes upon our heart. Ya Allah, still our heart remains immune to his gaze. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask you to do color of his gaze. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept his gaze. Ya Allah, surely our hearts have been hardened. Surely our hearts are immune. But Ya Allah, we ask you to accept his gaze. We ask you to accept his du'as. We ask you to accept his tamanna, his faryad, his wish, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. And Ya Allah, the barakah of that, Ya Allah, we ask you to change our condition. Ya Allah, how long we will remain on this condition of nifaq. Ya Allah, we have made our zahir according to the sunnah. We've been able to grow beards and wear the sunnah dress. But Ya Rabbi Kareem, we betray that sunnah through each and every ugly action and our ugly intentions and our ugly thoughts and our ugly desires and our ugly memories. Ya Allah, creation might look at our faces, but Ya Allah, you gaze upon our hearts. Ya Allah, creation might gaze upon the sunnah and think we are amongst the muttabi'een. But Ya Allah, you who gaze upon our heart, you know how truly we are amongst the munafikeen. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to reform our hearts. Ya Allah, grant you the inner sunnah. Ya Allah, we want nothing more than to be your perfect slaves and servants. Ya Allah, adorn us with the garland of your servanthood. Crown us with the crown of your slavehood. Ya Rabbi Kareem, 
we wish nothing of this dunya, nothing of this world. We want finally to enter into the folds of the muttaqeen. We want to enter in the folds of the muttabeen, of the Nabi Kareem. Ya Allah, Ya Bakim, we ask you to accept our dua in this blessed month of Ramadan, in this blessed time of itikaf. Ya Allah, your awliya say that this month is just a means for you to shower your mercy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, do not make us mahroom of those means. Ya Allah, do not keep us outside the ocean of your mercy. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to overwhelm us with your mercy and change our heart and change our condition. Rabbana takammal minna innaka anta samil adeem wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawab al-rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. Amen.